All Things Montessori community. Happy Tuesday. Another week is here and it's August. I can't believe it's August already. That's just sort of, it seems really crazy. Um, but time seems to be passing quickly in all sorts of ways. <laughs> and it's almost the beginning of the school year again. And speaking of the school year, I have another installment of the teacher series. I'm so pleased today to talk with my colleague and friend, Becky. She is so wonderful. She runs an all-day, all-year program at um, Fiore Montessori School, where I, where I used to teach at. She is fantastic. We talk all about doing primary all year, all day. We really get into practical life, and we touch on math and how teaching children in the Montessori method boosts confidence and really fosters their independence with all sorts of learning. So I really hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Patreon. We would not be able to do anything without our patrons. So thank you everyone who's become a patron. I want to welcome a new patron to our to our ranks. Welcome Jen. Thank you so much for becoming a patron of All Things Montessori. If you're interested in becoming a patron of All Things Montessori, you can follow the link below or head on over to patreon.com. You can search for All Things Montessori and you can find what donation works for you. And again, this is totally voluntary. I really appreciate any support you can give, whether it's through Patreon or just through your love and support and listenership. So thank you so much. And this episode is brought to you by Sapling Supply. If you haven't listened to my Sapling Supply episode with Paul and Joe, please do. It's so fun. They are such a delight to talk to. And you can head on over to Sapling Supply to get beautiful handmade Montessori furniture that comes pre-assembled. If you're looking to get any furniture for your classroom or anything at all, head on over there and you can use our promo code ATM10 to get 10% off anything site-wide. Without further ado, please enjoy this awesome episode with Becky in our next installment of the teacher series. I'm so delighted today to have one of my teacher friends and colleagues here with me today to talk all things Montessori and all things about being a Montessori teacher. I have Becky Myers Pollock with me. She's a primary guide and we work together for four years. I guess. Man, sounds like a long time. Um, welcome, Becky. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I am like obsessed with podcasts, so it's cool <laughs> to be on on the other side. <laughs> yes, I'm also obsessed with podcasts, which is probably why I have my own podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, what I ask everybody when they come on the podcast is something that I think Montessorians always talk about. You know, I, I'm sure you've been at conferences or meetings or anything where everybody's talking about how they came to Montessori or their Montessori story. So what is your Montessori story, Becky? Yeah, well, I did my undergrad in elementary and early childhood education, and I had some really cool um, early childhood professors that were kind of really into like different alternative philosophies and and whatnot. And the one professor had her children um, in a local Montessori school. And so for one of our assignments, um, you had the option of, of doing an observation um, at that school. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll check that out. <laughs> Why not? And um, the whole time I had been in, in my undergrad, I sort of had this like, there's something about schools or education or, or teaching that like, 
doesn't quite feel right to me, is a little bit off. And I could never like put a finger on it. And I remember walking into that school and being like, oh, they figured it out. <laughs> like whatever it was that I was not liking, um, they fixed it. And so it was sort of just like in my head, I ended up like babysitting for the teacher that I observed and, mm-hmm. and sort of keeping in touch with her. And it was just sort of confusing to figure out like the training and AMI versus AMS and all of that. So it sort of took me a, a couple years. Um, but a friend of mine was doing her master's at Loyola, a, a different program. Um, but I think she had mentioned like, oh, I saw something about Montessori, like a Montessori program there. And I went on the website and saw WMI's um, program. And I don't really know what came over me, but all of a sudden I was just like, yep, I'm going to move and I'm going to do it. And here we go. And um, so that was sort of, I just took off from there. Oh my gosh. So did you work in a public school setting before you did this or... Yeah, so I did not. I worked in like a before and after school program. Um, I did something called, uh, I'm from Pennsylvania, and they call it TSSing. I think it has different names um, in different areas, but essentially like one-on-one support with children with like ADHD Mm -hmm. or maybe autism or or some of those um, things where they might need extra support. Um, So I did that for a couple of years. I see. Okay, and then you had the epiphany and moved. <laughs> I did that too. I literally like had a feeling and then I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to go do this. And then I just like moved and did it. So yeah. I totally feel you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's funny. I, I think now I feel a little bit more spontaneous in life, but at the time that was very much like, whoa, like why did I, <laughs> you know, like a fate thing of like, this is just right. And totally. Um, and you know, I think, I don't know about you, but I remember now looking back at it, I'm like, Oh, I'm really glad that worked out because it was a big risk to do that. But yeah. the minute I the minute I got to WMI, I knew I was in the right place. Yeah, I mean, I loved that year. Like I look back on that like so fondly and Me too. Um yeah, it was a great experience. Me too. So, after going through training, did you immediately start working? Yeah, yeah, I um got a job at, at Fiori, same school that you came to the next yeah, year. That's um, right. Yeah, I, I started there right away. I was in the same classroom that I'm in now, but I had like a different role. Um, so I, it's an all day, all year classroom. And at the time they had sort of set it up where it was two guides and one that was, the idea was that they had a little bit more experience. And then the other one, um, me <laughs> was newer. And so I sort of, had an interesting role. I I can't say that I loved the situation when I first started. It was kind of like I came in a little bit later. Um, I would work on like materials or, um, you know, things like that or observe um, in the mornings and then kind of take over like the later part of the day. Um, And I think it was nice, you know, I I can be a little bit timid sometimes to start. So I think in that sense, it was a good experience that I didn't kind of just have to be thrown into um, everything that's involved in in running a classroom. Yeah. Um, But I think I maybe stayed in that role a little bit too long, Mm -hmm. uh, where Mm -hmm. it kind of just became a little bit like, okay, the next thing I want to have a little bit, you know, I want this to be like my thing. And I, I know in, in training, they talk a lot about, or like with AMI, they talk a lot about how it should be like one 
guide, right, mm-hmm. in the classroom and having that like ownership and um, control and the ability to like experiment and, and try mm-hmm. things. And um, so after, I'm trying to remember if it was two years that I did that, I ended up moving, the other teacher that was with me um, left the school and I ended up kind of merging classes with um, the owner of the school and the two of us worked together for a year um, in the classroom. But in that scenario, we sort of shared the same role. We kind of just went back and forth a little bit, which was interesting. It was better. Um, And then starting two years ago now, um, it's just been me <laughs> as the, as the guide. And then I have two assistants That's um, right. that kind of split the day. Yeah. So let's talk about all year, all day, because I think, I think what a lot of schools have gone through is what you just described kind mm-hmm. of trying out different ways because inevitably it is so much work for everybody. It's constant, you know, care. It's all the time. And then not to mention it's all day. So there's breaks to think about, you know, if you're working during the summer, how are you getting that, you know, time to reset? Right. And um, what keeps you in that role? Do you find that it's different than, you know, a traditional just school year role? I just want to pick your brain about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm always, I feel like I have not figured it out. (laughs) Um, You know, I look at, there's, you know, a few like awesome Montessorians that have these all day, all year classrooms that have been up and running for, you know, years and years. And they really like seem to have nailed it. And it's these like, you know, beautiful setups and um, the teachers all, you know, kind of have these breaks and they feel refreshed and, and whatnot. And I don't know that we're there yet. I, it's challenging. Um, I think it's wonderful that we're able to offer it. I think it's so like necessary in our society and our, our culture right now, you know, usually both parents work um, or there's only one parent or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And it's, I think, awesome that we have the opportunity to keep children um, in this kind of environment for that full span um, of when they're not able to be at home. So I, I think it's, you know, great but it but it's hard <laughs> it's it's challenging um like you said it's kind of like it's all day <laughs> and you have to be you know teaching and i think especially as a montessori guide like it's just all of you all mm-hmm. the time all right the time. It's sure. your emotional uh well-being <laughs> and like energy um mentally physically like all of it has to sort of be on all the time and so i think it's important to figure out ways to schedule in those you know times away and whatnot i know this sure. is kind of veering off of what you asked me but interestingly covid was sort of the first time i was away <laughs> from my yeah. classroom and, and my school for more than like a week or two. Sure. Um, and I, so I never, you know, had the experience of like having that time away and how necessary that is. <laughs> um, and I think like I had all these ideas and I felt so much more energized coming out of COVID, which I think is strange. You know, most people sort of had this opposite experience. But for me, it was like, even though we were doing some stuff online with the children, it was 
so different and so removed, yeah, so right. much less, right? In, yes. in the end. Um, and so I, I kind of, that was, like I said, the first time I kind of had the experience of mm. getting some time off and away to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the head of my school is great. She ended up, you know, making some changes to the, the school, the way the summer is going to run so that mm. I would be able to have some time off. So this year, yes. <laughs> um, I have the month of June off, which has been awesome and exciting. And so I think I, I, I think that whole component of an all day, all year um, setup is so important, like making sure that if you are the guide in that classroom, you're taking time away or you're taking time for yourself or you're sort of building sure. those ways to be able to um, replenish yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. Because, you know, I mean, even in the regular school year, like we hit those months, like, I always felt like the month of March was just like this never ending. (laughs) Like, I don't even know, it just there's Uh like no breaks, and it doesn't end. And it's awful. Um, So we all have those things throughout the year. And it's so important to take those steps back. And I love what you say about becoming re-inspired and refreshed. Because it's like not only for you, it's for the work we're doing that we take these breaks, you know, because then you can have the time to be like, yes, here are those 10 lessons that I've been really excited about, but I haven't had a moment to make that material or create that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that was like the biggest, like the way that I felt towards the children or like how I felt I was um, interacting with them this past year was like so different. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. not noticeably different to anybody else, but like the way it, to you. That it felt inside was like yes. so much better because I was just able to come at it with a more like clear mind and, you know, let go of some of the like stresses and, and things that build, you know, and, and I, now I'm also, I think, more in tune with when that's happening. Like I felt it a little bit, like you said, like maybe towards the end of the year or um, right before like the winter break, I could feel this shift in how I felt about things and how much energy I was able to put into um, the classroom. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But that's good because we have this time coming up and, you know, I just need to make it till then. And then I'll, I'll be, you know, able to be a better um, teacher at the, at the end of, of that. Mm. So I was going to ask you, so when you have an all day program, mm-hmm. you know, as Montessorians, we have our work cycles. So right. is it that there's just another work cycle after the afternoon work cycle? We've played around with slightly different um, ways of doing it this past year. What we did was the most of the year, at least in Virginia, it, it's pretty nice. Like the weather is, yeah. is pretty nice yeah. um, the second half of the day. So we would spend the, after like the three o'clock dismissal, um, the children would have like a snack together and then they would go out into the the garden, the backyard of the school and nice. spend time outside, which I think is awesome. And I think that that's so great. necessary. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the school that, that I'm at has a beautiful, mm-hmm. um, it does. It's like a park. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So being able to take advantage of that, I think is, is great. And I, children get like less and less of that, or at least it seems people always, you know, <laughs> talk about like right now it's, you know, they're on screens or, or whatnot. So I think the more time out in nature, we, when we had the cicadas, 
Oh they God! Loving that, <laughs> they would find like collections of them. It was gross. It was, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I love that they're not afraid of them. Like me, who is truly traumatized, but that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have, you know, my classroom has a little patio garden that that comes off of it, and you know, we plant vegetables and and fruits. We have strawberries and tomatoes and cucumbers and. Um, different types of flowers out there. So the children are also kind of tending to to those. Um, when it gets a little bit colder in the, in the winter months, we might not be out there or we might not be out for as long. And then it's kind of a relaxed, maybe you'd call it a work cycle. Um, I am not usually there at that later, that very end right. of the day part. So, you know, there's not like lessons happening. I They do a lot of help with like upkeep of the classroom, like resetting nice. for the next day, which I, I think is also a great opportunity, um, kind of take that ownership and, and a little more opportunity to, to feel like it's their space. Um, like they'll help empty the dishwasher or do the laundry or, um, you know, reset materials, things like that. This year with COVID was a little bit different because mm-hmm. there were some, you know, protocols we put into place and whatnot where they might not be able to be as hands-on involved with, mm-hmm. with some of that. But there were, you know, new ways for them to to help. Could they sanitize materials? Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- those kinds of things. Um, yeah, in your classroom in particular, it's so gorgeous. I've always loved it. But it's, <laughs> you know, it looks like a home down there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of Montessori classrooms have that feel to them. But mm-hmm. yours in particular, you know, it's, it's got all these like, lovely hallways, which I know the children probably <laughs> hide in, but they're love hate. Right. <laughs> I have a love hate with those. Totally. Yes. <laughs> but there's beautiful dimensions, you have the mm-hmm. back patio, you have a kitchen, it's mm-hmm. very much like a sanctuary and a home. So I can see with, you know, if you think about a young child being at school from what, 830 to almost it could be 545 right yeah that's well long, some of them come at 745 so that's a long day 45 it's a very long that's a day. very long day so yeah. to have have a space that has so many different avenues one for academic learning and all of that but you know to have a space to feel comfortable and safe and an outdoor area and the garden and that is I think that's amazing for those kids to have that, you know, especially yeah. when they're not, you know, they're away from home for so right. long. Right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And and that's something that I try to always kind of keep at the forefront is like, even for myself, you know, as an adult, you feel more comfortable, you feel more inspired, maybe even when you're in like a space that feels good, right? And that feels mm-hmm homey or feels, you know, whatever it is that that kind of makes you feel good. So I I've especially in the the past couple of years when it's been, you know, my just my classroom, I've tried to do what I can to kind of bring that feel feel to it. And I've always kind of been interested in, you know, a little bit of like interior design and Yes, <laughs> I know you so, are. <laughs> so that's sort of a a part of this work that I really enjoy is is kind mm-hmm. of putting things together and and that sort of creative side to it. Uh, it's gorgeous. Do you have um, a washing table like for clothes or am I, am I thinking of something else? Um, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by a table, but or it's like have... a washing station thing. Like, don't yeah. you have something like that? What, what yeah. would that be called? Sorry. Well, I... <laughs> there's cloth washing. Yeah. And I think it's like a, um, I mean, I don't, 
know that all classrooms have this, but I think it's something that's semi-common at least. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm blanking on where the school ordered them from, but we have, yeah, like a cloth washing station and a dishwashing station that are like a standalone. That's right. Um, so what yeah. can you talk to me? That's it's, it seems so random, but <laughs> as an elementary person that walks into a primary classroom, yeah. I'm always just like, Oh my God, what's that? And <laughs> right. I feel like I know the basics, but then there's uh-huh. things like that, that really stand out to me. And I remember yeah. seeing that and I never got the chance to ask you <laughs> I, I can I can assume that it's in the practical life, but mm-hmm. at what age would you introduce that? Is that something you'd introduce to a young child? And then what's the you know what what's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, yeah. So it is practical life, and I mean, I would yeah, I would show that to like a three year old. Um, and the, the the cool thing about practical life is, I mean, you're wanting them to continue to use those things like all through the span of of yes. in some way, shape, or form. Um, so you can kind of, you know, add new components or you can call their attention to like the tiniest details to sort of keep that engagement um, as they get a little bit older, as their skills, you know, grow. But yeah, so cloth washing, it, yeah, it's, it's part of that whole idea of having them feel like they are a part of the community that they can contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have like a role and a purpose. Um, they can take care of, of the environment that they're sharing. There's, you know, other components or different types of practical life where it's either care of self or care of environment. Yeah. I don't know how, how much you want me to go into. I feel like you could talk about practical life like for days. <laughs> I, I am, I'm so fascinated with practical life because mm-hmm. it does transition into elementary, mm-hmm. but in a different way, you know, I, but yeah. I would, I would find that my, if I had six and seven year olds, I'd find them asking me if they could wash the tables or if they <laughs> could dust the shelves. And yeah. I remember being like, what? <laughs> but then also what? being like, yes, please. I would love it if you clean. Yeah. So I think those tendencies to you know, care for the environment, contribute, just like you're saying, right. it, it goes into classroom jobs in elementary. That's sort of how mm-hmm. we assign, like, you know, we're all part of a community. So we make our space clean together. Right. But I think that's such a human quality. Yeah. You well, know? Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. And I, I think some, I mean, the, when a child enters primary and they're three and, and, and four even, um, you know, the, the purpose of the practical life is skill building, right? So we're not really expecting that they're going to end up with something that's clean or something that's, you yeah. know, beautiful and shiny if they're polishing or, or what it, what have you. Um, but it's just building the skill. Um, there's a lot of, again, I could, there's, you know, pincer grip and all of these things that are preparation for writing you know, muscle building, all of those kinds of things moving from left to right. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where the focus is, it's just building those, those skills and, and learning how to do those different um, works. And then as they get older, and they've kind of already gained those skills, it, it truly becomes more like a job, right? You see a, a table is dirty, oh, I'm gonna clean it. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that the, you know, little brass statue statue is tarnished, you polish it you want to make snack for a friend, you, you go prepare that. So it's sort of, yeah, I mean, we even see that towards the end of, of primary that it just becomes more, or I mean, some of them, I think, choose it as 
like a comforting thing, right? There's yeah. something like meditative. And that's another big component of, of practical life is building concentration. And that comes from the idea that it's like, it's repetitive, it's soothing, mm-hmm. you know, all these kinds of things that just sort of like pull you into a meditation. Um, I mean, I know I do that when I'm cleaning my house. Oh like, yeah, me like too. I find that's so relaxing. Same. Like, yeah. And um, so it's, it's actually kind of cute that, that for me to hear you say that, elementary children are like, can I do that? (laughs) There's part of me that's like, oh, I wonder if that's like a a comforting thing to them. I definitely think so. And we would actually have sometimes about like once a month, we'd kind of have like a cleaning afternoon. Mm -hmm. Basically, when we were having a chaotic day, I would say, (laughs) hmm, we're going to do some cleaning this afternoon, uh, just Uh to kind of get the group, you know, I think cleaning together you know, it's like you're doing something together for the good of the environment that you're in. And it's kind of mm-hmm. a bonding experience, weirdly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the Montessori classroom, primary or elementary, like everybody kind of does their part. And, right. You know, everyone's a part of the community. Everyone does the cleaning, does the work, does that, you know, to, for the good of the class. Mm-hmm. It's such a great lesson that we're showing young children. Yeah, that, for sure. You know? Yeah. And I think it's, again, I think young children are kind of like brushed aside with some of that stuff, like, like at home, right? Parents. I mean, even just in my educating the parents in my classroom, they'll be like, oh, they can wait, what, you know, like they can do that or, um, or they see it as, or it flips to the other side where it's, it's almost made like a punishment or something, right? Like, oh, you made that spill, now go clean it up. And Absolutely. so I think it's so awesome that we're kind of able to give, they want to, you know, they want to be like a grown up. They want to be like their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, um, and get to, you know, take care of their world, right? And then themselves. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's like one of my favorite parts of Montessori, I think is, um, again, like that independence or that, that sort of, um, confidence boost that children seem to get from being able to be like a contributing member of, of yeah. society. <laughs> right. Cause there's ownership in, yeah, I can have this snack and then I know where to put it in the dishwasher. Right. I know how to wash this dish. It's so, it's sort of my favorite part of Montessori too, are the, yeah. it's the tiniest details that make right. like all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just so like the fact that Maria Montessori, you know, saw all of this and like created all all this is like mind blowing because it's like, yeah. And, you know, these young children in primary, like that sense of order is so huge. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, comes into play with all this practical life too. Like, oh, if, you know, something feels off to me, I know how to fix it. All, All of these kinds of things that I think, again, just like most of society looks at young children and they're like, oh, they're being so annoying or, they're, you know, whatever it might be. But it's sure. like, no, like that's an inner, you know, drive of theirs to have things in, in order and to be affected by um, that when it's when it's off. And so, yeah, again, it's just like incredible that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, someone was able to kind of come up with all of this and, and design a whole teaching philosophy from it. I know it. It's the... Oh, I love it. (laughs) So what is your favorite primary like section or favorite primary either material or or lesson? I'm so fascinated with primary because I haven't taken the training. So I'm like, just 
talk to me about it. What's your, what's your fave or one of your favorites? So I'm actually going to, I, I mean, I think practical life can be the most fun to like create Mm -hmm. and to see in use, you know, kind of thing, or like, as you know, um, adults might look in and be like, well, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I, but I think that the math materials are mm. especially like the golden beads. Mm. Um, I think that might be my favorite, which is, it is weird to hear myself say, because I <laughs> have always hated math. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I was not good at it in school. It gave me tons of anxiety. Like I just did not like it. And even still as an adult, like I would say like, yes, I'm not good at math. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had moments in my primary training do working with some of the math materials where that was the first moment that I understood, like truly like grasped what was happening Mm. um, in, in certain, you know, math situations. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, I wish so much that I had had that experience, like the Montessori experience with math. I think my whole mentality towards math would, would be so different. And I really enjoy giving the lesson uh, with golden beads or, or really, like I said, kind of any of the math, but yeah. particularly golden beads. I think it's so kind of fun. And I know in particular, I was actually just talking to another primary guide about the subtraction lesson. And there aren't that many times in primary where we're like encouraged within a lesson to be like silly. Yes. Especially <laughs> um, or, in primary. I feel yes. like primary is so, um, I reserved is not the right word, but I think you have to be careful because you're modeling everything. For right. Them. Right. And, right. and I feel like I am kind of silly, like in, you know, in outside of teaching and, and whatnot, like I, you know, like to laugh and, and you know, yeah, enough that you don't get to do that in primary, but anyway, <laughs> um, that's like the one, it, it, it feels like a very different lesson compared to other ones because you actually are supposed to kind of like be silly and be funny where you're like, oh, you know, the teacher starts off with all of the beads on their tray and they're like, wow, like I have so many beautiful beads. <laughs> and I see that you have like number cards, but where are your beads? You don't have any beads. And you kind of like do this whole thing. And sometimes they're looking at you like, well, wait, you told me not to get beads. You know, there's this whole like moment of like, what's happening? Um, Or some of them will just start cracking up. Like it's it's just a really cute, like fun lesson. I usually end up kind of getting like a little bit of a crowd sometimes the first, you know, time or two in a year that that um, we do that lesson because it's just like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> like, why is she oh, being? Oh, so fun! Yeah, it's it's so fun. It's so cute. And um, again, it's just like I think subtraction, like subtraction and division in particular. When when mm-hmm. I was in very, school, were like, very I abstract. Can't, I don't want to do that. I can't mm-hmm. do that. And it's almost been like therapeutic to have like this pleasant experience with with those operations now as an adult, because it's like, oh, no, like, this is fun. Or this is, you know, I, I understand what's happening in the concrete and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I think that those are probably some of my favorites. I love that. I had, yeah. such, a, I had such a similar journey with math. I yeah. feel you. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly had like, so there's a material, I mean, you, I guess, do you learn racks and tubes in your training? Yes. Okay. So that one in particular for me, I actually Mm -hmm. loved division. Um, Mm -hmm. but I just had a crutch on my shoulder that I was just bad at math, like bad at math, bad at math, bad at math. Right. And I never, like you're saying, like never really understood 
the, you know, yeah, somebody can tell me that five times two is 10 and that's fine. But you know, like that was just something I memorized. I just memorized all this stuff. I didn't really understand. I didn't really like get it. Mm -hmm. And then I, I will, I will never forget doing racks and tubes and being like, Oh, like just understanding like vision at its core, what it is, or like you're saying, I think subtraction is extremely abstract. I think subtraction might be the hardest operation if I'm being Mm -hmm. honest, because division has other components with it. But when you're asking a child like, okay, what's 10 minus seven, it's like, I, I don't know, like thinking about that in your head, like, and I love, I have, I have seen the primary lesson with the, with the subtraction and you are being silly and like, yeah, thank goodness you're being silly because subtraction is really difficult. And if they have that positive (laughs) memory and it's fun, that's so awesome. Right. Yeah, no, I think it's, really cool to see these and they're so young too right I like it's I think so that's cute. something that is a huge difference with with Montessori um at this age at least and and I think it also translates to elementary as well but like these are little children doing division doing multiplication in the thousands yeah. right like it, big numbers like all of this mm-hmm. stuff and it's like nothing to them right like and in a good way it's just oh yeah mm-hmm. like, that's what I do and oh yeah 5,329 minus you know well, I can do that and I think that that's like so cool like, again I, I wish that um, I had sort of had the opportunity to to experience math like that and kind of feel that way about it I know they have such confidence and they love it. Like that fierce mm-hmm. love of it just by feeling like, yeah, I know how to do that. Right. Like, yeah, I know how to do that. Cause they have those materials if they need them. And then it's so fun to watch them like not need the materials anymore. And that confidence. Yeah. I'm, je- I'm so jealous of Montessori kids. Like every day I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Like, can I go back to school? Like <laughs> I need three again and just start this. <laughs> I know. I'll just start all over again. <laughs> So before we wrap up one, this has been so much fun to talk about everything, but I wanted to, you know, it's been a tremendous, almost two years for teachers, Mm -hmm. um, a year and a half. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it has been a very chaotic and tough time for teachers. So I just wanted to ask you, um, any words of wisdom to teachers, teachers out there right now at this, in this climate? (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I think just because of the timing of doing this interview, I'd say making sure that you take like time (laughs) for yourself, right? I mean, whether your schedule allows you to have a summer break or, you know, take vacation time. I know I was just always so bad at that. Like, my school gave me weeks, you know, that I could take off for vacation and I just never did it. Like I either felt guilty mm. or I, you know, would just brush it off. Cause I'm like, I don't want to deal with figuring out the scheduling for that. And, and, you know, all those kinds of things, but I think it's so important. Like our job is a big deal, right? Like what we're, you know, yeah. giving these children and it takes so much of us. And I think that it's like a beautiful thing that we do, but Uh, I think teachers often sort of overlook themselves sometimes in the process. So whether it's like finding things that you can do after school each day, I know I started like going for long walks with my dog um, when I would get home from school and that, you know, makes such a big difference on just a day to day basis Um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, taking time if, if you have the opportunity, because I think it just makes you a, a better teacher really in the end, like it needing that replenishment. 
but yeah, I think that that would probably be. <laughs> I love it. Words of wisdom <laughs> and so important. Yes, yeah, self-care, yeah. taking a step back, mm-hmm. taking that vacation. Because I know what you mean. It is hard. It's hard to be like, okay, how am I going to get coverage? What is it? I, I get that. Yeah, I get being yeah. like, oh, it's too much to think about. But you're right. so right in, you know, it's so worth it for you and for your kids in your class. Right. And I think it, I mean, it gives you inspiration. It's just, it'll give you so much uh, that I think even if you have to step away, you know, even if your children are still there or whatnot, like was the scenario that I had. And even if you feel a little bit guilty about that, or you feel like, oh no, like I'm going to come back and it'll be a mess or, you know, whatever you might think is going to happen. I think, you know, even if there is something negative about it, like it's just going to give you so much that you're like, then going to be able to give the children and, and it'll make a big difference. Hmm. Well, thanks so much for being here, Becky. This is so fun. Thank you for having me. I feel like we need to do another episode where we just like consider (laughs) primary and elementary. Something that like, I always want to, I'm always like, Oh, tell me more about like how to live. That'd be be so fun. Yeah, we should do it. All right. Oh, let's do it. I'm I'm actually going to write it down. (laughs)